As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Be very, very prepared to constantly be investing back into your business, to be uncomfortable, to make those hires and to build out that team because that is where momentum is built. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Ryan Shalaba. How you doing, Ryan? Doing great, Joe. Your last name is very fun to say, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Ryan started investing in real estate at the age of 19. He's currently 25 years old. He is the co-founder of Urban Capital Group, which was formed in 2015. Last year had his first seven-figure year, and this year will buy between 45 to 50 houses based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So that being said, Ryan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. Again, appreciate having me on. Uh, Long-time listener of the show, so it's pretty cool. I started wholesaling back in 2013. I was 19 years old at the time. I was in college and just decided it really wasn't for me. So I had a lot of conversations with my old man about wanting to go into real estate, get my real estate license, get into some form of investing. Didn't know anything about that yet. So we ended up going to a flipping seminar, joining up with some really good guys, some good mentors, and just started rocking and rolling from there. First few Which months. seminar? We went through Fortune Builders, actually, with okay. Dan Merrill and those guys. So we're rocking and rolling. First three months was really rough. Didn't get anything done. Didn't really even take any action. I was kind of dancing around the perimeter. Ended up getting my first deal about six months in. And then actually in October of that year, and a lot of people know me, have heard my story. I actually lost my dad in a motorcycle accident in October of 2013. So the world just kind of stopped there at the moment and really had to decide 
what I wanted to do moving forward. And after it was a pretty tough couple of months, but really thinking about it long term and everything, and just one of his greatest, I guess, experiences that I got to experience with him was just that feeling of freedom after having worked for someone for his whole life and just us doing things on their own. And that was something that gave me the drive to really want to go and build something entirely for myself and my future and my legacy. So 2014 started ramping back up and then I met my partner in 15. That's when we formed Urban Capital. So now fast forward 2018, we got our team fully built. There's 14 employees and then Arch and I, most of the employees are on the construction side. We're going to do somewhere between 1.8 and 1.9 this year on the flipping side, do between 12 and 13 million in retail sales and traveling the world, having a little bit of fun, starting to get things to run a little bit more independently of ourselves, starting to head down that path. Let's unpack this a little bit. You gave some pretty phenomenal numbers. Let me make sure I'm tracking properly. Because one thing I did not mention that you had in your bio, because I wanted to clarify this, you're going to buy and sell approximately 50 houses in 2018, netting $2 million. In my mind, netting means you're going to make $2 million in profit. Is that correct? Yes. We're pumping out somewhere around $9 million in sales at the end of the year. That's going to bring back in around 4.7 and then take away all the overhead and everything like that. We'll break into that 1.8, 1.9 margin there. And is that split 50-50 with you and your partner? Yep, exactly. Let's see, 2017 last year was your first seven-figure year. And what does seven-figure year mean exactly? Well, we broke a million dollars in... Well, <laughs> let me clarify on that one because... It's like one of those things. We had a seven-figure year. We brought in well over a million dollars in gross profit, but the net number at the end of the year on the P&L was 986. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> you should have done like a little donation or something. For I think it's because, hey, it is what it is. You know how the calendar year goes, but I always joke around because it really ticks me off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it's set up for a really good year. And 2017 was a big team building year. So we made a lot of money, but we also invested most of that back into the company itself, ramping up the marketing, hiring all these employees, taking on the overhead and bringing construction in-house because the goal was for us to be able to begin running independently and get out and travel a lot more and still run the volume that we're running at. And up until six months ago, Arch and I didn't even take a salary. Arch is my partner. Now we only pay ourselves $60,000 a year and we just invest everything back into the business. So the business itself is cash rich. We have a lot of equity and some deals and we're starting to get into some multifamily flips, some larger developments and stuff that's sucking up cash. But all of it is just to continue driving the company forward itself. So numbers are good, numbers are big, but it's just to keep pushing forward. Just so I'm tracking, you mentioned $1.8 million this year in income, right, on flipping? Then $12 million income on retail sales? Yeah, we're agents as well. So myself, and then we have an employee in our office now that handles all of our retail and wholesale disposition. And then I'm also an agent as well. Nicest part of for us in our business, a lot of people see retail sales as a distraction when they're investing, but 
a lot of times they're right. It doesn't make sense when you're on 50-50 commission splits and things like that. We're with a very, very investor-friendly brokerage overall where I'm on 100% commission split. So when you start looking at the numbers that way, now your retail pipeline becomes that much more viable to really spend the time and money going after that. Yeah, there is no commission split if it's 100%, right? What do you pay on a monthly basis or annually to be a... We're two ninety nine a month and then two ninety nine per transaction. Got it. It's money. It's really yeah. good. Yep. Okay, so one point eight million in income and in flipping, twelve million in income and in retail sales. Are those the main two income sources? We wholesale too, but we don't do that that much. Approximately how much of income do you get from wholesaling? One ten or one fifteen so far this year. So we might fifteen thousand? Yeah, so okay. we might tap out at one fifty. Okay, one hundred and fifty K. Got it. And then of the two million dollars of projected profit this year, what percent comes from flipping versus retail sales versus wholesaling? Oh, I mean our one point eight to one point nine is directly profits from flipping projects, the sales of our actual rehab projects. Got it. So now let's talk about your business model because we got into the numbers. We did this in reverse. Usually I do the opposite. That's okay. It's good. Now let's talk about how you're generating the income. Help me understand the math though. If you're bringing in $1.8 million in income from flipping, how are you making $2 million in profit from flipping? No, 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 no. 1.8 to 1.9 is the profits. We're going to bring in around 4.7 in actual revenue. Ah, okay. Got it, got it. So 4.7 in income on flipping and then 12 million in retail sales. Yeah. The 12 million at the end of the day, that brings in like 200 grand. Wholesale is like 150 grand. And then we're projected somewhere between 1.8 and 1.9. Okay. The flipping side. So we will break the $2 million mark this year. Got it. For me, I like to focus mostly on the flips because- Makes you more money. Yeah. And the other things are ancillary, right? So flipping and internal construction is our core business. And what we've done is just, we've got our core to where we're comfortable. Then we started building out retail. Then we started wholesaling properties. Now we weren't trying to do all of this at once. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up looking at, one deal eight different ways versus being very niche, very in their lane. And then after building up experiences, building up a good pipeline of income, then bolting things on. Um, That's what's really happened in the last 18 months for us is the bolt-ons. So each house is on average about $110,000 at the end of the project? 150. 150. Okay. Got it. All right, that's where the 45 to 50 homes come into play where you're selling them. We run off of 20% margins on the buy side, but we're doing bigger flips. We're buying them for 100 to 125. We're putting 150 into them and we're selling them 400 plus. So we're making 100K WAPs on those. So we're doing six to eight of those a year. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Sometimes we make over 100, sometimes we make 80. Then on the smaller stuff, our bread and butter, these are those little ranch flips, the little Cape Cods, just like the stuff you have over in Cincinnati. Hey. We're buying them for 60, we're putting 30 into them, and we're selling them for 140. So we're making 25 grand at the end of the day. 
I think that was a subtle jab from someone who lives in Pittsburgh to someone who lives in Cincinnati, but I, I'm not sure no. if it was. No, dude, it's, we got ugly housing stock. It's not like flipping homes in Texas or California or New Mexico, where we're talking about salt box ranches on slabs. We've got to be picky and choosy about the types of houses we buy because they're not extremely desirable on the resale side. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. How are you finding these properties at the volume in which you're finding them? Agents is really, really big for us. Wholesalers is really big for us this year and mostly direct mail marketing. We do pay-per-click, SEO, all of that. But I think the biggest thing too, is that we've really positioned ourselves over the last two years as one of the larger companies in Pittsburgh. So it's nice when big tactic for us is when the flipping seminars come into town is that people know our name. And when they start wholesaling, we want them to start driving their leads to us. But when I look at our marketing metrics and stuff for this year, at the end of the day, direct mail isn't performing the way that it did last year. Our biggest buying this year has been from wholesaler agent referral on MLS so far this year. It's pretty interesting, actually, but we're still spending the money on direct mail because we know it works. When you say it's not working that well or as well as before, what metric are you basing that on? Cost per buy. So like last year, I was at $2,400 cost per buy on direct mail. This year, I'm up to $4,740. I'm looking at it right now. $4,740 cost per acquisition on my direct mail. So it doubled. Doubled, yeah. Same list? We're running different lists. I think a lot of your regular lists are getting tapped by many, many people. So the basics, your absentees, your owner-occupieds, your equity lists. What we're doing is we're hitting those, but we're also trying to tap into new things and just adding little nuances to the list to see if they work or not. So it's just been a big experimental year for that. Your company's been around for about three years and you said you've positioned yourself as one of the larger companies in Pittsburgh. How? By saying it and doing it. All of our Facebook groups, I mean, as far as we know, we are the highest volume rehabbers in Pittsburgh. That is actually out there marketing that's in the communities. If there are other people that are under the radar, hey, that's great and props to them. We'd love to meet them. But as far as we know, we have positioned ourselves as the team that's actually growing a team and investing back in because... I think a lot of what you find in Pittsburgh is if you came over here and you said, okay, who are the couple of companies? You're going to hear of a big landlord company called RE360, and you're going to hear of our company. And the RE360 is a landlord company, but we're really the only two that have even built out teams. You've got a lot of solo flippers, husband and wife flippers. And I mean, that's great because the standard of living is so low in Pittsburgh. If you come here and you flip four or five houses and you're living really, really good, you're just not going to find too many companies out there that are really looking to go and do high volume. Again, it's not like your Texas is in your Florida markets where people are doing high volume wholesales and things like this. It's more of a smaller community market. Do you have to have your high volume in order to support the overhead that you have now with 14 employees? Yes and no. I'll give you a couple of metrics that we track. And this is kind of going to be where my best advice comes from. The way that we look at things is we have 10 in-house construction employees. 
And this was a big hurdle for me to get over, but my partner explained it best because when we're talking about construction money, it's anyway money. Now we're controlling the material, the process and who's on the job. So we're going to spend the construction money, no matter what, whether it's going to GCs or subs, we would rather control the process and the system and everything that goes into the houses. Cause we feel like we're that much more efficient than the best GCs in Pittsburgh. So that part of it's anyway money, and that's funded by lender draws. So whatever our overages are, including our overages on the year, let's say they're 10%, and then our insurance and stuff, that's our actual overhead on the construction team. So call that about 70 grand or two extra houses. So if our team in-house can knock out two extra houses per year than a GC team, well, I'm going to take that deal all day long because yep. I can control the process. So the way that we track this, our teams are billed out at $75 an hour, whether it's three-man teams or four-man teams, which is $3,000 a week in labor. And in your lower-end markets, like we're in our middle markets, whatever you want to say, that's what flippers can afford anyways to get $30,000 flips done. If we're talking $7,500 a week material and labor, well, I want a $30,000 job to be somewhere between five and six weeks. So we build out based on $75 an hour teams. And then we say, okay, if our one team, as long as they can do eight houses per year, we're in really good shape. If we get anything above that, that's gravy. So that's how we initially started building out these teams. And now we're up to four internal teams. And basically we say, okay, our in-house guys can very easily complete thirty-two, $30,000 rehabs per year. And then you tack on your bigger projects where we're subbing out and putting GCs on those, like our gut jobs, we run those like new construction. Like I said, we do another six to eight of those. So we're averaging 15 to 17 active job sites going at a time to where guys are bouncing on and off of them. So it's really kind of become a beautiful little orchestra that I give all the credit to my partner and project manager for building that out. And I just track the numbers and make sure it makes sense. <laughs> where are you getting your money from for these properties? Private money. I actually got a kind of a crazy story, man. I'm back in scramble mode. We actually just lost our largest private lender. He had a heart attack at 52 years old. Mm. And he had somewhere around 1.3 with us. We don't need that much money. We usually have about 4 million going for these projects. We basically work with four or five lenders. So him passing away has put me in this major money scramble because I'm like, oh my God, a quarter of my money is kind of off the table. So I'm having to learn how to go back to the basics of raising money. And I'm not going to lie, it's kind of uncomfortable and challenging again, even with such a track record just going out and finding these guys and it's put me back out of my comfort zone, but I, I kind of like it. <laughs> what, what are the terms? 12%. So we pay everyone 12%. And then the biggest thing that we try to do is get interest defer at least three months. That's what we try to do. We're at about half of our money's about three months out interest deferred. Because for us, that just, are you going to put your cash out up front or are you going to put it out at the end? I'd like to put it out at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. And no points or anything? Yeah, no points. How long does a project typically take? $7,500 a week is the metric that we try to hit. So if it's going to be a $30,000 job, we try to be in between five and six weeks. A big metric we've been 
tracking this year and trying to get better at tracking is the time it takes from when we say a job is complete to the time it actually goes on the market. Mm -hmm. because that last year was a major killer for us. It literally stalled our business out. We would get to 98% and then we just couldn't get these dang houses on the market. It'd be like, okay, it's a five week job, but it took us nine weeks to actually get it on the market. What the heck happened here? You know I mean? That's if, but if you're not looking at your numbers, tracking things, then you wouldn't know that. So that was something we tried to close the gap on this year. And it's been a challenge, but it's getting a lot better. So from the lender standpoint, what is it on average eight weeks then or nine weeks total or? Well, in and out of a project, we're averaging right around four months on the smaller ones. When you're getting into dollars $60,000 rehabs, I would jump that up to six months. And then our hundred dollars to $150,000 rehabs, we're usually eight to nine months into those projects front to back. And obviously that's conservative. A lot of times our biggest thing with our guys that give us three month defers, we try to not make an interest payment. That's our goal. If we can not make an interest payment or just make one, then we consider that a win. The thing about my investors and how most of them are more interested in assessing an opportunity and then getting locked up with terms so they don't have to continually reassess opportunities. I imagine that's going to be a challenge or you've come across that challenge with investors, larger investors, not investors who are putting in 50,000 or a hundred thousand, but another $4 million investor. I'm guessing that they're going to want something that they have to continually put focus on every nine months. So how do you solve for that? I've never even been in the room with a $4 million investor. These guys, I thought you thought you just 1.4. Oh, 1.4. I yeah, thought, man. oh, you usually have $4 million out. That's yeah, out across. I'm messing up across. your numbers all day long, aren't I? Man. <laughs> I love misquoting people. And then that way I can tell the story that I'm looking to tell. It works out for me. I know where you're going with it. So for us, we've been working with these guys. I mean, my one guy, I've been working with him. He lent to me on my first flip. So what happens is he went out and he started raising money at 10%. And then he gives it to us at 12. Now, obviously not everybody gets the same terms, but because we've been with him so long, he's kind of been raising the money for us. And that's happened with two of our guys. And the guy that just passed away, his first loan with us was $100,000. And then as we built trust and as we built rapport, all of a sudden he had a half a million. And then all of a sudden he had a million with us. Mm -hmm. And then we looked at the board and we're like, man, where'd you get all this money? (laughs) He's like, well, I've been slowly pulling out of my other investments because you guys have been my safest bet when I look at the real estate. Because a big thing that I've been, and I know I'm obviously kind of like a numbers guy, but I think that that's very important with this business. A number that I tracked at the end of last year was what did we borrow at? So our initial ARV versus what our loan was, what was our LTV? It's always 70%, right? For us, it is. We always borrow at 70%. We don't borrow anymore. So I said, okay, based on that ARV, and then what did the projects actually sell at? What was their ending LTV? And ended up being at 60%. So I went back to all those lenders and I said, look, 
I just want to prove to you how conservative we are as investors because look at where your LTV started and look at where it ended. It wasn't the other way around. And some of them didn't even understand what I was telling them. But the more sophisticated ones, that was their favorite metric they they had heard. They go, wow, no one's ever showed us this. And they're numbers guys, so they loved it. So I think if we're getting back into working with higher net worth guys, they just want to see the proof, but you're right. They don't want to get caught up in the details of the deals. We're working on a development right now where we just raised 2.4 million from the builder and it was a handshake. We ended up doing loan paperwork and stuff, but they were just kind of like, all right, yeah, here's the terms and we'll let the attorneys figure out the rest. And that was a massive eye opener for me because I was just like, okay, this is how business gets done at a higher level. It's let's figure out the X's and O's and let the rest of the team dot the I's and cross the T's. That was kind of insight. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? If you're just getting started, you need to decide whether this is going to be a hobby for you or you're going to turn this into a business because those paths are two completely different paths. If you're going to flip four or five houses a year, 90% of what we just talked about probably doesn't pertain to you as far as metrics and tracking and reinvesting back into your business and looking at cash flow and things like that. But if you're going to run a business, be very, very prepared to constantly be investing back into your business, to be uncomfortable to make those hires and to build out that team because that is where momentum is built. I always say entrepreneurship is simple. It's a multiplication of efforts and how efficiently you can make those efforts happen. And if you're not willing to reinvest back in and continue to build out that team, then it's going to be a very tough go. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Rock and roll. All right, first quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at thereifoundation.libson.com. Best ever book you've recently read? Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willock. Best ever business decision you've made recently? Hiring a team and building a team. Best ever deal you've done that we haven't talked about? Last year, we made $295,000 on one single family flip. What's your average profit margin? In between 45 and 50. Okay. So what's the reason why? We bought a house in just a higher price point. We bought the house for 200. We put 120 into it and we ended up selling it for $630,000. I actually screwed up at the end of the day. I thought the house was worth 450, 475. 
and the market shifted and all of a sudden we were sitting on a gold mine. We had a comp pop down the street. I looked at price per square foot and we went for it and we got it. Some people out of California bought it cash. So I guess I got lucky. <laughs> What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about? I bought a house recently with no plumbing in it and also recently bought a house that we thought was going to be like a $3,000 foundation bid and it ended up being $15,000 worth of work. So that's probably going to suck. <laughs> Best ever way you like to give back? I do a ton of free content on my Facebook and my Instagram. I'm not selling any courses. I'm not doing anything. I'm just passing on what I learn. And then I also partner on Flip Talk podcast with Don Costa and I do the rookie playbook with him. So just helping people get started from zero experience all the way through their first year in business has been a really cool project. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and learn more about your company? You can find me on Facebook. So just go facebook.com slash the urban investor on Instagram. I'm urban underscore investor. And then our company website is homebuyersofpittsburgh.com. Lots of lessons learned today from how you're making the money that you're making, where that's coming from. It's coming from flipping the projects, how you approach flipping and how you're getting deals now through agent referrals and MLS, how you used to get a lot of your deals through direct mail and how that's gone up and how you're assessing that. The approach that you're taking when you work with private money lenders and everything in between. Very detail-oriented conversation. Grateful you're on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation Podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at the REI Foundation dot com.